Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pleasantly Persistent Podcast. Today we have on Hannah Lopez, who is the Director of Food Service for the Plant-Based Foods Association, and we can't wait to chat with her. Enjoy. All right. Hello, Hannah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We are excited to chat. So uh, I'm here with co-host Christy. Uh, So yeah, Hannah, can you provide a brief intro and then we'll get into it? Sure. So my name is Hannah Lopez. I am the Director of Food Service on the Marketplace Development Team here at the Plant-Based Foods Association. We are a trade organization that has over 350 plant-based product um, affiliates, investors, and ingredient suppliers within our organization. Uh, We also have a policy team that advocates for labeling, um, clean labeling on plant-based better-for-you products. Uh, So we are excited to be here today. Awesome. Thank you. So plant-based, so many questions. So when when do you think plant-based really became a thing and part of our like food culture and into our industry? And and what have you seen? Such a general question, but get us started. Like, what have you seen for where it's going and like the rumblings that it's fading a little bit? What do you, what do you see from where it's been to where it's going? Yeah, I love that question. And I think that for the past 20 years, we've been experiencing the vegetarian diet and the vegan community has really been the spearhead community to advocate for not only animal rights, but for those plant-based foods. Um, The terminology plant-based has become more popular, I guess you could say, in the last five years. Um, Mm -hmm. Really, it's been, um, our organization started in 2017, um, so not for nothing, but we've seen an increase ever since having PBFA launched, um, that there are more uh, vocabulary usages for plant-based products on menus. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's people that are carnivores or that are not vegans who don't live a certain lifestyle, but they want to integrate plant-based foods into their daily lives, whether that's just for dinner, whether that's just for breakfast, once a week, what have you. So I think that restaurants and brands are starting to understand that more. Um, So that's why we're seeing a lot of the shift. And how do you, because you guys, do you guys have another conference? I know you have one in New York. Do you have one in a different country or am I making that up? Well, there are different plant-based foods associations across the world, um, but we do host the one in New York, the plant-based world show at the Javits Center. Yeah. Okay. I was curious differences with other, other countries with how it's unfolding the plant-based world, but you know more of what's going on in the States. Yeah. 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 Cool. So as some brands are starting to have more challenging times getting funding in the plant-based space and it feels like momentum i don't know i don't want to say yeah maybe fading or shifting like what do you do you see do you, do you see like a pivot for like new kind of products or some appetite fading a little bit we're not so in the food service world which is where i kind of spend all of my time yeah, yeah. Uh, we're actually seeing a really big increase in the terminology of plant-based on menus. So we're about to launch our state of the industry report, but I'll give you some intel. Uh, So we're seeing a 20% increase of the terminology alone of plant-based being on Mm -hmm. menus in the world of food service year over year. Um, It's actually leading um, uh, equally across the country. So it's no longer just 
you know, popular in the West or in the California coast. It's actually happening across the states. Uh, so we're really excited to hear and see those numbers come through. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, as far as innovation goes and what these plant-based products are doing, they're leaning more into whole food ingredients and, and because the consumer is worried about two things. They're worried about their health and their flavor and the flavor of the food. So I think that um, the plant-based industry is challenged with those opportunities, but in the best way possible, because there's such a wide open landscape of possibility. Um, so you're getting a lot of innovation that's spearing from those um, consumer demands. Love it. Love it. Are you seeing a lot of, are you seeing more things being branded on menus or more, more, more operators moving towards wanting to have a plant-based option, but not wanting to brand it? Yeah. So there's a little bit of both. So we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, the, the meat alternative companies out there that are doing a, a co-marketing relationship and co-branding opportunity. A lot of that is because there's a lot of um, awareness building at play. So it, depending on, I guess, the segment as well and the size of the restaurant chain, I'm speaking specifically to restaurants. If you have a standalone brick and mortar restaurant company, they probably have more of the bandwidth and resources um, and nimbleness to get creative in the kitchen and create their own plant-based offerings. But if you're looking at, you know, QSR, fast casual, mid-scale, um, they need to automate these things. They need to um, have it in distribution. It needs to be operationally sound um, and make sense for scale. So you are getting more of that co-branding relationship because these companies are also helping pitch in for marketing dollars, saying that we understand that we have to build awareness for the consumer market. So we're going to write a check for you to place our name on that menu so that people understand that my product may or may not be the superior choice for that specific consumer. So we're, we're seeing a little bit of both depending on the segment. Yeah. So, so maybe not the exact order, but it felt like it was like plant-based burgers and plant-based chicken. And now I, I see plant-based seafood, some really good ones to give a, a shout. I mean, good catch is, is ridiculous. That is, it's such a good product. What yeah. do you think? What's like, what's on the cusp of like popping for like new plant-based uh, segments and products? I think seafood, I think you nailed it. I think seafood yeah. is kind of you know, no pun intended, but that blue ocean strategy for the marketplace. So um, the plant-based chicken, the plant-based beef alternative has been kind of the mainstay, the leaders in this space for the past few years and really gaining that market share. Um, but the seafood, I mean, holy cow, you've got um, current foods as well. That's like yeah. taking off. And a lot of these really great brands that are not only creating alternatives, but they're really conscious on the ingredients that they're choosing when they're putting them in the packages on the shelf. So um, I do see that also in the dairy alternative space. So um, our research shows that there was a 400% increase in oat milk across menus over the last four years, skyrocketed any other type of milk, soy, almond, like oat is the goat, right? So yeah, um, we're seeing that growth, but also cheeses, like not just um, your sliced cheeses that you're seeing prepackaged in the CPG space, but artisanal cheeses and getting into a plant-based blue cheese mindset and, and really mm -hmm. elevating the charcuterie lifestyle yeah. um, that's very trendy right now. So we're seeing a lot of, I say dairy alternative. Yes, we know milk is, is 
popping right now, but also um, the cheese and the cream cheeses and the butters being utilized in kitchens as ingredients, but also as, um, you know, main plates on menus. I think the, yeah. the artisan cheese category is super, super fascinating within that. I, it was probably like four or five years ago now that I went to like an artisan vegan cheese shop in Portland. Um, and I was, that was my first experience with like all different kinds of it, right? Bricks of it and just like done in a charcuterie format. Uh, and to me, there's a lot of space there in food yeah. service to really hit a lot of notes for people. Um, Cause that, I think for, especially if you're thinking of like marrying together, like flexitarians and vegans and finding something that's not as polarizing, it's probably cheese, right? A lot yeah. of vegans are maybe never going to touch. They don't want to eat a plant-based burger. That just, yes. just doesn't really hit the notes for them. Um, they're moving. They don't want it to taste like meat. Uh, whereas yes. flexitarians are excited to have it taste like meat, but cheese is an interesting one. Cause I, I would say most of my vegan friends are all about that. Like get them a charcuterie plate that works for them. We have a wine shop here in town that does vegan charcuterie boards on like, like once a month and oh. talking to their manager. And he, I mean, he says they can't like, they cannot sell enough of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And some of the plant-based cheeses, the or spreads, the ingredients are, are really clean, right? Any plant-based company is going to say they have clean ingredients. Sometimes the case, sometimes not. Uh, but some of like kite hill, like those ingredients are amazing. It's such a good product. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> it a really is. And a, and a consumer. By the way, it just popped into my head. I just saw. Did you guys see uh, Sweet Green? Uh, that what they're bringing in is a plant-based protein. There, there is the miso. I thought I yeah, saw yeah. something. It was like a miso. Someone just actually sent me that article, but um, yeah, they are, you know, they're the poster child of the fast casual space, right? They went yes. public and they've raised all this money and they're like the the leaders in tech when it comes to restaurants. Um, and they really stay consistent with their marketing of, you know, just fresh food. Um, but the fact that they've got that core demographic of flexitarians, yeah. vegans, or, you know, really across the board, I think that they'll have an interesting case study. I don't know if anyone is actually looking at doing a case study. I would love to with them mm -hmm. um, on how they're converting their diners and, and what the migration looks like from maybe their, their poblano chicken salad over to yeah. their plant-based yeah. option. That's yeah. going to be really interesting it, to see. It was like a mushroom it was like the root of a mushroom or something i like looked into it and i'm like this is gonna be fascinating i was like it's it's a really really good product they're, a, they're yeah. a super fascinating chain i think from the technology standpoint too like when you look at qsr and, and just like the restaurant space in general because aren't they poised to be fully automated on their lines i think within like three years oh. pretty crazy wow. and they just yeah that's wild they're just launching their first two drive-throughs I wish we had a sweet green. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have a drive -through. I don't have any sweet green, so I'm just over here. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so what do you see fading? Uh, uh, even if it's not like a specific segment, like, is there anything in the plant-based world that you've seen kind of fade away, whether it's certain ingredients or certain kind of products? I think allergens. I think that there's a big call for um, not utilizing soy gluten is a really big one. So um, not to broad stroke the, the world of veganism or um, people that are 100% plant-based, but a lot of times it's for their health. And gluten has been the culprit for many of us that have decided to have a more whole food plant-based diet. 
And I think that um, those two, the soys and the wheat, especially if they're not sourcing it, um, you know, the domestic sourcing issues that we're having with soy and you're not able to get it organic or, or pesticide free is, is a big friction point as well um, for those that are looking at those ingredients. So I think brands are being challenged um, with creating like products without those two mainstay allergens. And then with the nut milk category or nut cheese category, you know, creating that creamy texture without the use of nuts, not only for school safety measures, because you can't even go in there with, with, you know, almond butter, let alone peanut butter. Um, but how can we innovate products to not have any of the top eight allergens um, that will be appealing, not just for that core demo, but really just for the mass gen pop. Do you feel like, yeah. see, I feel like there's products, the products that can check the most boxes have the most long-term like menu staying power, right? If you can get an item on the menu and it's vegan and it's gluten-free, you've now mm -hmm. caught two consumers with that. And those are both more narrower segments. That's like what I keep seeing and pushing the more products that can check, like you said, all those boxes so mm -hmm. that they can be more appealing to all is going to stand out. Do you feel like restaurants in the food service that they're looking for more of them to check boxes or are they more sourcing like just within their heads? Like I'm going for a chicken or I'm going for a cheese and less concern about it checking multiple boxes. It depends on the brand. So I will say that if you're talking about a better for you concept, like a sweet green or a bole or, or ones that really try to inspire people to live healthier lifestyles, they're going to look for those. So there are concepts that are hundred percent gluten-free you, they won't even entertain the product if it has wheat in there. Um, and then there's other companies that are just looking for that chicken alternative um, to, to meet that one consumer. But I will say it's really interesting when restaurants lean into plant-based, not just being an alternative menu, but being on the menu at the equal mm -hmm. landscape as other products mm -hmm. is you're not just increasing your check size or your frequency because plant-based or vegans have the veto vote, right? They're the ones that say, I don't want to go there because they don't have anything for me to eat. And the, the carnivore is just going to go wherever they go. So not only are you going to capture that sale, but what about alcohol sales and all the in incidentals or incremental sales that come along with you bringing that extra body in that door? So I, I think that there's that fine balance. It depends on the brand and the marketing strategy and the presence in the marketplace of how they want to portray themselves um, to their consumer. So, um, so I know you guys just did a bigger study report. Is is there was there any interesting findings that you would like to share? Yeah, so we're actually launching it officially January nineteenth. So mm -hmm. I will be sure to share that with you guys. Um, but some of the preliminary findings are really interesting. Um, one of which I shared earlier about the terminology, how vegan vegetarian is starting to see like this plateau as far as terms used on menus and how to describe this type of cuisine. And plant based and dairy free are both kind of on the rise. Um, plant based leading the charge, which is really cool. Um, we are seeing again that the fast casual QSR scale are the leaders in the space when it comes to plant-based options. Um, so using that as a almost creating a baseline for the rest of the industry is really interesting to see how much of their menus do hold these items. And then also noting that it's no longer just the coffee shop offering an oat milk substitute. It's these culinarians leaning into these ingredients as kitchen ingredients. And there's this merge of two worlds happening. So you might have a spaghetti bolognese, but maybe they didn't use 
uh, butter, like real butter to make it. Maybe it was a plant-based butter. Um, and carnivores or flexitarians are okay with that. So I think there's like this mindset of good, better, best that we're seeing in the data where we are seeing positive change in the right direction for where our goals are as a plant-based foods organization. Um, but we are starting to see it trickle into many different segments, even fine dining, um, leaning into, um, you know, different uh, grains, mushrooms you had mentioned earlier, like that is untapped potential right there. Um, but you're starting to see these finer establishments lean into those as core ingredients. Who are your plant-based brand crushes? Who, who, who you got? That, who do you have in your fridge or freezer that you just love? Oh man. And if that's not a fair, if that's not a fair question, you can not fair. Okay. <laughs> so I will say part of the perks of my job is I get samples and right now in my fridge in my freezer is pow p-a-w p-a-o-w explanation um and they just launched a whole retail deck and it's pretty cool because they've got like a masala curry and they've got their teriyaki so they've kind of flavored it to that I guess the mindset of what I'm craving which I really enjoy um daring is another one that is fabulous mm. i'm actually able to buy it from my own grocery store here which is great um kite hill you mentioned that yeah. i met them i want to say seven eight years ago at expo out in um, anaheim and i fell in love i've been like their number one fan since yeah. day one i probably have a video of me freaking out um mm -hmm. so those are all really good products yeah yeah Califia is another one that i that is always in my fridge. Um, mm -hmm. my, I have a two and a half year old and all she drinks is their oat milk. I use their coffee creamer. I mean, they're, they're the best. Yeah. It's really, really good products. Um, cool. Cool. Well, uh, what would you like to plug as far as the show and how to get in touch with, with your world of, and what you guys have going on? Yeah. So my position here at plant-based foods is really to advocate for the industry and food service. So that includes restaurants, but also hospital cafeterias and school cafeterias, college campuses, really identifying with distribution companies and food service management companies where their opportunities are and providing that research. So um, really the only plug would be just relationship wise. Like if there's people listening in that are interested in and having a plant-based product or learning more about their segment or a specific niche that they might be leaning into, um, we can provide those resources and, and really build out that industry partner uh, community that we're looking at uh, creating, so. Cool, Diana, thank you very much. We appreciate okay. it and have a good rest of the day. Awesome, thanks guys. Talk to you.